You're listening to the Hippie Haven Podcast, where we have real-life conversations about all things hippie, from veganism to zero waste to tiny living and everything in between. I'm your host, Callie. I'm a nomadic entrepreneur traveling the United States in a van with a mission of encouraging people to live an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle. With this podcast, I want to show you how easy it can be to take small steps that make a big difference in saving our planet. Let's get started. Today, I'm chatting with Ezra Frazier, a 19-year-old in North Carolina who started his own vegan business, The All-Around Vegan Box. In this episode, Ezra and I talk about why he became vegan, even though he didn't care about animal rights at first, how his mindset shifted, how he encourages passive activism through his monthly boxes, why he thinks there's so few male vegans, and how to change that. So tell me about yourself and your background. Sure. So I turned vegan the I was in 11th grade going into 12th grade. And I was very into nutrition, uh, weightlifting. And I came across a Dr. Greger lecture. And it, it pretty much changed my whole perspective on nutrition. And so thinking, thinking back to that time, I had no, I was eating chicken, you know, three times a day. Um, so it, it was a drastic change for me. And it wasn't really until about two months after that, that I saw Earthlings and really made the ethical connection to animal exploitation, etc. And so when I turned 18, I had always had like an entrepreneurial spirit. Both my parents were entrepreneurs and I figured I, I really wanted to make some change. And this is kind of what I'm talented at. So that's just the route I went. How did you get the idea specifically for the all-around vegan box? Like, what made you decide to do a subscription box specifically? I actually came across a uh, a group called Subscription School on Facebook, which helps people launch subscription boxes. Um, And I I just kind of sifted through there. I figured I started looking into subscription boxes, and I uh, tried like vegan cuts, some snack boxes, and I didn't really see anything out there that was lifestyle related. So I figured I would I would make that. I had always liked the idea of activism and creating change. So I incorporate, incorporated those as well as Bath and Body just all into one experience. Have you had any difficulties in sourcing like only vegan products? Um, it can. It, it can be if you're ordering from like distributors. But luckily, since since I've turned vegan like two years ago, it's just exploded. There, there's just so many companies. Um, and there's like expos like Expo East, Expo West. And those expos were traditionally like pretty animal based. They're like they kind of follow trends like the ketogenic. Um, there's like a bunch of bone, bone broth companies. But last year it was it was definitely like 75 percent vegan companies. It was there was no shortage. So reaching out to companies individually, it, it's pretty easy that route. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm so glad that it is expanding and more, you know, it's becoming more mainstream and more and more people are getting involved in it. Um, so what is your process in choosing items for each each month's box? How do you find them? How do you, um, you know, do you have themes? How do you decide what goes with each month? Yeah, I don't have themes, but I do keep it to four categories. So it's always vegan and cruelty-free food, bath and body products, lifestyle products, and activism items. So I kind of, I'll re- reach out to vendors in bulk. Um, and once I establish relationships with, 
I'll kind of pick seasonally like chocolate in the winter and fall. And then I guess stuff that won't melt in the summer, particularly. <laughs> yeah. um, and then for, for the activism items, I really just kind of have to get creative. There's not really any uh, companies that, that sell activism items. So we've done like stickers, uh, beanies, car decals, pamphlets, um, a flag or a banner you can take to a march. And then for the Bath and Body, luckily there's a growing number of vegan and cruelty-free Bath and Body companies as well, like Bestowed Essentials. Yes. And <laughs> so that that's pretty easy. Um, and it's cool to work with companies like that. And then the lifestyle products, um, things like shirts. There's like a bamboo charcoal bag and it like absorbs, absorbs odors uh, rather than having to use harsh chemicals and things of that nature. Yeah, I've got a bunch of those in my van. They are so handy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like them. And that's pretty much my process, yeah. Okay, so what has been your proudest moment so far of running the All Around Vegan Box? It's it's pretty cliche, but it's probably honestly the people. I met so many great activists, not even like the big names, just people locally um, and people who are really, really dedicated to this, who they see something wrong and they want to uh, change it. So they take action and doing like veg fest and things. It's, it's just so cool to meet people like-minded, like-minded people. I should say I live in North Carolina, so it's like hog slaughter state. It's, we have the biggest slaughterhouse in the world coming across those individuals. Even like I live in a city, but even going really rural there's there's activists at smithfield uh slaughter all the time and uh yeah just connecting with people like that is it's probably it's it, really uplifting besides your vegan subscription box um how else do you advocate for animal rights um in the day-to-day -day, <laughs> one thing that probably i didn't realize until i thought about it yesterday but I have a uh, a vegan bumper sticker and it's like, it really stands out on my back windshield. And so when I'm driving around and I've seen like one vegan bumper sticker ever, um, people probably see that a lot. But then things like uh, working with Anonymous for the Voiceless, Cuba Truths, um, just having conversations with people, posting on social media. And probably, probably what's the hardest is uh, like non-vegan family that don't want to change. But in your day-to-day, -day, even even like at the grocery store, if I'm checking out and I just have a bunch of vegetables and the cashiers are like, they're like, are you? And I'm like, yep. And we'll start a conversation about it while checking out. It may be brief, but it plants a seed. And I guess it's uh, something, at least here, they don't see all the time, so... Exactly. Yeah. And I was actually just going to bring that up. Something that I've heard before is, you know, it can be really hard, especially like you said, with non-vegan family members or whatnot of when, when you don't see eye to eye with them, but you do have to keep in mind that you are planting a seed, whether it's your family member, or the, the cashier at the grocery store, you know, nobody's going to change their entire lifestyle based on one conversation, Yeah, but the slow, awareness and consciousness of it even if it's seeing a bumper sticker it's seeing someone else living that way it, it'll it'll leave an impression in their mind yeah even even for me um 
when I first started out, I guess I was plant-based because I just learned about the, the health benefits. And I remember a time specifically riding in the car with my dad. Um, and it was like this thing. I was like, I'm, I'm going vegan. Um, and I told him that I'm going vegan for my health and not because I think putting chickens in a cage is wrong. And that's just the, the point I was at at that point. If I could go back and like slap myself awake, I, I would. Um, and unfortunately, I think that's where most people are. And uh, but going from from that kind of selfishness uh, and misinformation to, you know, spending 14 hours a day either advocating or working with a animal rights based company um, is a big change. And I, I think it shows that, like you said, over time, people people can really change their perspective. Absolutely. And. So a lot of people see plant-based and vegan as being like identical or very similar to each other. Can you explain what is the difference between like a plant-based diet and being vegan? Sure. So a plant-based diet, um, most well-known for as like a whole foods plant-based diet is the only diet recorded to have reversed, successfully reversed heart disease um, at like a 99%. Uh, statins, which is what we prescribe reverse heart disease at about a 3%. And they don't advertise that um, because people wouldn't wouldn't buy them. Um, and I think they don't really think about it that way. They think about it as like, on a scale of 100 million people saving 3 million lives is, uh, is, yeah. But the difference between or and then veganism is an ethical standard. So it's just standing against the exploitation use and commodification of animals um, as a moral value. And so, yeah, plant-based is, is more about health. Veganism itself is about the animals. Um, and then the, I kind of just throw the, say the environment and the health with veganism as a moral philosophy are just like bonuses. It's like, since animal agriculture is destroying the earth in, one of the, the leading causes of uh, all environmental destruction, it's great that this lifestyle change uh, benefits that completely. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I think. And with veganism, it's not just what you're eating or, you know, not eating animals. It's not wearing animals. True. It's not using animals, exploiting animals. Yeah. So which are all very important. I mean, if somebody's starting off as plant-based, that's fantastic. You know, they're doing it for their health. That's, that's outstanding. And we definitely want to see that. But I think the next step from not eating animals is not exploiting them whatsoever. Right. Yeah. So you were, you mentioned um, telling your dad about going vegan. Are your parents, have they considered going vegan at all? Are they still very much meat eaters? Where are they at? It's kind of interesting. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I have I have so many stories about it, but people just don't don't grasp it really. Um, for a long time, they've been like quote unquote open to it, um, as in like they support me in what I do, uh, but they're not willing to align their actions with their morals. And my dad's had some autoimmune disease for like his entire life, so he like reacts to pretty much anything he eats, and uh, he's he's been to like so many doctors and. None of them have been able to help him, et cetera. 
but like two uh, about yeah it was actually like four days ago um he just finished a week of eating vegan he just like i had pretty much given up trying to convince them um in the beginning i i argued with them about about it and you know i was like just turned 18 um until they thought i was like just ornery disrespecting you know how how they raised me but um i i guess it's starting to get through to him because i had pretty much given up my energy on focusing on my family because i felt like there's much uh there's there's low-hanging fruit to go after and it's it's fairly draining um so yeah my dad just finished he said he's only doing it for a week and i guess now he's not but yesterday he told me he doesn't crave meat anymore um and actually found a video of someone who has a similar experience uh reacting to vegetables like like he does and how they cured it with a plant-based diet and so i sent that to him like 12 hours ago <laughs> so we're we're in the process of getting there um and then with my mom just last night she watched she like half watched she was looking at her phone but i was trying to show her the <laughs> trailer for dominion um which is available to watch worldwide this friday at watch.dominionmovement.com to plug that in there <laughs> yeah i can't wait to watch it yeah it, I I know it affected her. She like saw it out of the corner of her eye, even if she wasn't directly looking at it. But I'm gonna turn 20 in like two weeks here, and for my birthday, I'm just gonna ask them to like watch Dominion or Earthlings with me. So, um, and then my uncle is pretty much vegan, um, dietary wise at least. Maybe not clothes or anything like that, but uh, he's gotten to a point where it just feels feels better to eat that way. Um, so it's been it's been two years since I started this and there's been kind of conflict. But they're I'm glad to see they're coming along. Um, and even hearing people like like Earthling Ed, um, like his stepfather is like, almost violently against veganism, and him. Um, and luckily, I'm not in a situation like that. But and then on the other side of the spectrum, some people have a family that's like, wow, and they go vegan immediately. And how is your parents' um, response or um, reaction been to you running a vegan company of your own? I think, um, like, my dad's uh, been an entrepreneur for 20 years or so. My mom is. Um, so in that aspect, they're they're proud, I guess. Um, I dropped out of college, and they, I don't think they're happy about that, even though my dad didn't graduate college. Um but in in general, um, I think they see it more as like I'm running a company rather than me trying to create social change via business um, from that angle. So, and what are your number one personal and business goals for the rest of 2018? Oh, that's a good one. Um, it's July. I should go back and look at what I wrote down. I just did um, earlier today, actually looking at what I wrote for New Year's, and I was like, "Oh, I, uh, I'm not on track for a lot of those." Oh yeah, I, as a as a general statement, um, I guess this kind of relates to both personal and business. I've just business just feels so naturally natural to me, and this past year, it's about to be a year that I've been in business, and it's my first business. Um, I've just learned so much. Uh, <laughs> When I started, I started working on this business when I was like 17 or no, I was 18. 
um, and didn't have a clue what I was doing. I guess I took all the business classes in, in high school, um, but they're, they're not really applicable in the real world. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah. They don't, you know, give you the skills that you actually need. It, it can be very difficult to be a, an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember most of what's in there, but I'd like to continue to learn as much as possible. Um, personally, like I have more VegFest coming up. I'd like to meet more people, make more connections. Um, I have like some really audacious goals long-term uh, for the, the company that realistically probably won't happen this year, but um, things that would, would create the culture of veganism, um, make it like something that is, is uh, cool, I guess, if can't think of another term to use for it other than cool, but something people aspire to rather than the traditional derogatory language that's, that's used for vegans. So yeah, a, a mind mindset shift all around would be great. Yeah. What is your like favorite must watch vegan documentary? Mm, that's a hard one. I don't want to say like more than one. I guess I forgot to mention in my story somewhere, somewhere along, along there, I saw Gary Yurofsky's, uh Georgia Tech speech, like 15 minutes of it when I was plant-based and I just like shut it off and labeled him as militant and extremist. Um, Cause you know, he's very direct. It's like, and when you're stuck in carnism, it's like a punch in the face. But it had seeped into my consciousness. So later I rewatched the whole thing and realized he was he was right. Um, and I have a stubborn personality. So I think I needed something like that um, for someone to tell me like I'm wrong consistently and like be in my face about it. Many people don't respond well to that. And either like if you if if anyone listening understands the health and environmental implications, then I would definitely say watch Earthlings or Dominion. Um, and if you don't, uh, there's a lecture called 101 Reasons to Go Vegan on YouTube. It's a few years old now, um, but but that one was really good. And what is your primary tip for people who want to do more vegan activism in their day-to-day life, but maybe don't, don't really know how to start? Sure. Um the way I kind of I kind of see the world in general and then see activism um, is that we all kind of have different strengths and weaknesses uh, and playing into your strength for activism, I think would be great, like uh, across any variable, introversion, extroversion. Um, so like for me, business just comes naturally. So it's, it's what I wanted to do, start an activism based company. Um, but just for every day, like, I guess kind of like the things I said earlier, like, if you're just starting out, um, you could put a bumper sticker, you can buy those uh, stickers that you put on meat and dairy, um, the everyday conversations, like in the stores, uh, Cuba Truths, with Anonymous for the Voiceless, uh, you can get some pamphlets. Yeah, just everyday conversations, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. And those those will set you up, I guess, kind of you can you can progress as you like kind of one of my visions is to help people find a form of activism that they're comfortable with, because uh, it can be strenuous so that they can, they can maintain it for the long term. And it feels like there's kind of something of sustenance, something um, you're gaining from it. It's not just a battle with you and an opposing ideology. And 
yeah, I, I guess that's how I see it. Not as a battle between people, but a battle between veganism and carnism as ideologies at large. And how do you answer the super common question of how do you get enough protein? Like, what's your response to that question? Because I'm sure you, like many vegans, have heard it quite often. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I was I was stuck in that. I uh, like by the time I was in tenth grade, I deadlifted like four hundred and seventy five pounds, um, and I was eating two hundred grams of protein a day, um, and. I'm convinced that was the unhealthiest I have ever been. It, it's very hard on your body to process that amount of protein. It's not what we are designed to do. So every plant has protein. Um, you can get all nine essential amino acids from eating like two, two plants, like rice and beans. It, it's there. Um, it, there's no worry. And <laughs> some reason we have like this protein fetish in our country. Um, and then there's supplements like whey protein, which is like terrible for you. And it's like seen as this kind of glory thing for bodybuilders. But the only, or I'll just say if, if you're consuming 2000 calories a day, um, it is impossible to become protein efficient given all plants contain protein. The recommended dietary intake is like 50 to 60 grams for someone my size. Um, and I recorded my food one day, like I haven't done that in years. And I recorded it like a year into veganism and I had 110 grams of protein just from eating whole foods. Um, so it, it is the least of my worries. Uh, if you are the only way you'll be protein deficient is if you live in another country and, uh, the medical term is called quashi or core is protein deficiency. Um, and as essentially when you haven't eaten food for extended periods of time and don't have access to it. Unlike fasting, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's literally the least of my worries. What about B12? Do you take B12 supplements? I do. I, and I'm also so bad about it. Um, so I'll, B12, um, for anyone that doesn't know, doesn't come from animals and it doesn't come from plants. It's micro or, microorganisms, uh, that are traditionally found in the soil and in the water. Um, but since everything nowadays is so sanitized, uh, we, we don't consume B12. And even animals that are bred for slaughter don't get enough B12. So they often inject it into their feed. So when you eat animal flesh, you are taking a B12 supplement and filtering it through an animal's body. So just taking like, you can get B12 like 100 tablets for like $5. It's like the cheapest supplement. Um, and it's, it's needed. Uh, for the long term, like over the course of 20 years or so, you can develop real problems if you don't have it. Um, I'm pretty bad about taking it. You're supposed to take it consistently in low doses. It doesn't absorb as well in high doses. Uh, but it's if you eat any kind of processed vegan food or um, nut milks, it's injected in there. Um, so I do drink almond milk every now and then. And then uh, if, if I haven't, I'll take a pill with a smoothie. Um, but I do recommend it for everyone, even if they're not vegan, uh, to take B12. Yeah, I know um, it's in a lot of brands of nutritional yeast as well. Yeah, so, that's good. And that's, that's something that I eat a lot. I, I love nutritional yeast. It irks mm. me. Um, you know, people never question 
if somebody eating the standard American diet and going to McDonald's once, twice, three times a week, if they're getting enough protein or if they're getting enough B12 or enough yeah, fiber. Yeah. And um, yeah, people people ask some some ridiculous questions. Yeah. And the, the standard American diet is like literally failing people. It's It's killing people left and right. And one of the most frustrating things to me is just the kind of attitude of the medical industry um, and how doctors aren't taught nutrition. And um, not that I'm against doctors, but you, you can ask anyone listening can ask them themselves. They weren't taught nutrition, uh, which is the cause of or, yeah, the leading cause of many lifestyle diseases. But yeah, so the standard American diet is is people are dying slowly when they reach old reach old age. They have all these problems and they advertise drugs to them and it gets rid of symptoms a bit, but not doesn't cure uh, what's really going on. And it just causes a bunch of nasty side effects too. Yeah. yeah and that's so. definitely not worth it. And now what about with the arguments of we're meant to eat meat or animals eat other animals? Like what are your thoughts on those arguments? Sure. So um, we're meant to eat meat. Um, for that objective, um, I'm not convinced, uh, people often point to canines, um, as being a reason, but even some of the largest land animals, uh, have canines that are, are herbivorous. Um, I don't know why there's that evolutionary adaptation. Maybe it's to scare, scare away, um, predators or something. But, um, if you look at our canines and then the canines of a true, carnivore it's like nothing it's like laughable um and yeah we can we can digest meat um it really grosses us out if you think about it um or if people think about it uh we like to take one one piece of an animal's body uh cook it and season it with as many plants as we can we just love to put plants on dead animals um and when we there there's kind of more obscure arguments um, in favor of veganism, which are more psychological, I guess, uh, saying when we see roadkill, we we get grossed out. We don't start salivating like a, a true omnivore or carnivore. Um, and we don't have adaptations like our uh, our intestinal tract. I, I believe it's in between, basically in between a herbivore and an omnivore. It's like not as long as an herbivores and not as short as an omnivores. Um, and we have many features that are similar to that of a frugivore. Uh, and people will argue that eating animals allowed our brains to grow. Um, but there's, there's significant debate in the anthropological community. Um, and more and more research is pointing to that. It was just cooked food and increased caloric density of foods in general um, from cooking grains and starches that allowed us uh, our brains to expand. Um, and to me, that makes sense given that if it was, if it was, if there's some compound in meat that allowed us to grow our hippocampus, I believe, uh, then carnivores would be the most intelligent species on the planet. And then <laughs> what was the, the second objective um, with animals eating other animals. Oh, right. So 
in terms of this, I'm really like uh, kind of logical based. Uh, that's just how I think. Some people are more like emotional based, I guess. Um, but in in a debate setting, this is considered a appeal to nature fallacy. And it basically says that because something occurs in nature, um, it is moral for humans to do it. Uh, of course, this doesn't hold up for, for anybody. No one really accepts this. Uh, plenty of terrible things occur in nature. Um, people kind of have an idealistic view of nature, but in nature, um, you know, you can record pretty much anything. Lions have killed their own cubs. It's like you can watch them mauling their own cubs. Uh, we would steal from each other. Um, and any number of unethical things. So because something occurs, we can't appeal to nature, I should say, um, unless we accept nature as the basis for morality, which no one does. Um, additionally, we have a choice now in the past. Uh, we didn't have a choice. Um, we just did whatever we could to survive. Luckily we have an abundance. Um, we have more food supply than we've ever had in history. And that can lead to, to, to greater health if, if we choose plant foods and don't rely on things that we relied on in the past when there weren't plant foods. Now, multiple studies have estimated that like about 75% of vegans worldwide are female and only 25% are men. Um, as a male vegan, like what do you think is the cause of that imbalanced gender ratio? Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely an interesting one. I mean, I could make some starking generalizations about men and women, um, like women being more open-minded or compassionate or something, but I don't even really think that's it. Um, I think it's there's this deep culture, uh, partially by men, partially by companies marketing to people, um, like, like the protein myth that you need protein to be a big, strong man um, and eating a lot of protein makes you masculine um and just the kind of traditional view of men um and women and men being kind of hunters uh and things of that nature but even if we were to take the traditional view of masculinity um i guess this applies to femininity as well but i i kind of see it as traditionally people thought of men as being like protective figures in the past um, guarding their, their home. And, um, as a, as a society, as a culture, we, we tend to want to protect the innocent and the weak and those who are vulnerable and those who are at our mercy. And if you take all four of those variables, that is animals exactly. So for any, any men, um, that are opposed to veganism, um, or anyone that men that aren't vegan, I would say, uh, by not being vegan, your actions, say or your actions conclude to taking the life of an individual uh, that is at your mercy that you've never met and that has never wronged you um, which is to me is like one of the most ca cowardly things you can do and yeah that's how i see it i i think being vegan and tradition and uh thoughts on masculinity um really are can intertwine and unfortunately hasn't. And I guess it's because of culture. Um, but luckily, as it grows, um, I've met many vegan men. So 
Yeah, I think it definitely is um, ingrained in the culture, you know, just thinking with it being summertime of grilling and barbecuing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And you're absolutely right with the marketing as well, you know, Sh- show me a commercial where it's a woman at the grill grilling up hamburgers like i feel like it's always you know a man at the grill and he's he's cooking meat for his family and it it is it's it's marketing it's culture it's it's a lot of things i would say if that uh if removing grilling and eating meat from from your lifestyle makes you feel like you're not a man then what does that say about masculinity in general like how kind of fragile is that um, you can poke holes through it. Um, so I think integrating more compassion um, into those that the concepts of masculinity is is very important moving forward. Yeah. Do you have any, any ideas for fixing or I should say bridging the gap of that gender divide and like something that a vegan can do male or female to encourage the men around them to go vegan. Like how, how to break through that divide without, you know, bruising anybody's, anybody's ego. Yeah. I mean, they're, to me, they're like, they're already vegan. Um, I mean, of course not with their actions, but like, they're like, they love dogs and they love dogs so much. They would like beat someone half to death. If somebody like kicked a dog in the street, um, because they see uh, in, in our culture and society, we see dogs as individuals um, and family members. And we are taught to see pigs, cows and chickens as this kind of group identity um, that does or they don't have identities. It's, it's just a group. Um, but cows, pigs and chickens have the individual personalities and interests just like our dogs do. Um, and so simply recognizing um, why, why do you draw a line, uh, between who you protect and love, um, and who you force into bred into a life of, of pretty much misery and torture and then slaughtered for, um, five minutes of your taste pleasure. Um, I guess that's, that's pretty direct if anyone's not vegan, vegan listening to this. Um, but it's just making that that connection is important. I think touching on the health benefits too can be very beneficial. I actually thought about that a little bit too, but like they're going to die. They'll, they'll die right now. The study say seven years earlier. Um, I'm convinced that as more and more people go whole foods, plant-based rather than just vegan, uh, we'll see it's, it's much, much longer than that. Um, but like for men, like, don't you want to be around? Uh, to see your family and your children, whatever else uh, they want to do. Yeah, because you can, you can definitely, you can be vegan and still not be healthy. I mean, there are a lot of processed, like uh, preservative-filled, artificial colors, some some nasty foods out there that are vegan but aren't healthy for you. So yeah, plant-based is is definitely the way to go. Yeah, it's and those things have like quadrupled in like a year. 
And it is good to see those alternatives out there for the people who are like, oh, I could never go vegan because I could never give up cheese. You know, the fact that they have alternatives as they're transitioning to help them, you know, ease through instead of having to completely change like all of their rest, all their go to recipes and, and all of that. They can just easily swap one thing for another. But um, yeah, the, just just because they're vegan doesn't mean they're healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to see those things. I, I wish good health on everybody in a long life. Um, but th- those things are, you know, they taste good and they're necessary for a lot of people. So I'm very happy to see them. So where can people go to learn more about you and the All Around Vegan subscription box? Sure. So for me, um, my Instagram handle is just Ezra Frazier, E-Z-R-A-F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. Um, that's just my personal account, All Around Vegan is just allaroundvegan.com. Pretty active on Facebook and Instagram, All Around Vegan Box. And yeah, those four places to come see me. Sweet. Any parting words? Let's see. Thank you guys for choosing a compassionate lifestyle. Um, I guess this is like a zero waste um, audience. And I'm so glad to see that's growing as well, tackling many problems um, outside of animal agriculture, like plastic and things of that nature. Um, and just you guys willing to change and willing to advocate for change. It just inspires me every day. So I would just like to thank you. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, Ezra. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Hey guys, Callie here. Thank you so much for listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. Your support means the world to me. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It only takes 60 seconds, but it really helps because reviews influence how easily people can find this podcast in search results. We also have an exclusive community over on Facebook. So if you want to connect with me and other like-minded people, just type Hippie Haven in the Facebook search bar and join our group. Thanks again and stay tuned every Wednesday for the next episode.